Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, we share HCI contributors Marissa Getz and Cassie Bingham's presentation on April 17th at the Ashoka Exchange Conference. The title of their session was Teaching Social Innovation, Context Matters, and Opportunity Knocks. Dustin. Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, good evening, depending on where you're logging in from. So thank you for joining us in this virtual session for Ashoka U. And today's session is about teaching social innovation, context matters, and opportunity knocks. And I want to be able to take a moment to give you some insight about what our learning outcomes are going to be today. So you might have read this, of course, in the program and what attracted you to our session. Is two things we want to be able to accomplish in this hour. One, we want to be able to assess how your institution's profile influences your curriculum. So give you some grist for the mill to be able to do that. And then also to provide you an opportunity to align your curriculum with current trends, goals, and stakeholder needs. And let me go ahead and introduce our presenters today. So we have presenters representing three different universities and engaging with three different universities in three different parts of the United States in Canada, I'm sorry, North America, so including Canada. So we have Rebecca Aden and Jabari Brown, both with, um, affiliated with Tulane University. Rebecca Aden is a social director of social innovation strategy of the Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University. And Jabari Brown is the outreach coordinator and site manager for Grow That Youth Farm. And they are gonna talk about some of the work they've been doing together. Ania Nowak is the academic associate for the Integrated Management Students Fellows Program at McGill University in Montreal. And she's gonna present some work about the Integrated Management Fellows Program. Marissa Getz and Cassie Bingham, they are both affiliated with Utah Valley University. Marissa Getz is the learning coordinator for the Center for Social Impact. And Cassie Bingham is the coordinator of engagement for that same Center for Social Impact. And they're gonna talk about the work they do um, on their campus and within their community. And I, Lakita Bloxon, I serve as your facilitator of this session. I'm the founding faculty director of social innovation, our master's of arts program, and I'm also an associate professor of business management at Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia. All right, and last but not least, we have our, um, our guests from Utah um, Valley University. So Marissa and Cassie, um, feel free to unmute your mic. Thanks for inviting uh, the unmuting ourselves. <laughs> um, thanks so much for all of your help um, in, in, in organizing all of this. Dr. Boxton, she's been um, absolutely vital to everything that we've done. So thanks so much. Um, so if you could go to the next slide, actually. 
Um, so what, what we have um, is a, a, a course that is an intro to social impact course. Um, it, and uh, we'll talk about it a little bit, but so currently it's housed in the business school, although we ourselves, the Center for Social Impact, um, are actually located in student affairs, but with a very, very strong um, connection, um, dual reporting to academic and um, student affairs, which is a really interesting place to be. It can get, the relationship gets kind of rocky sometimes, but that's okay. Um, and so um, we're, we're working on having our own prefix and being able to host courses out of our center um, and not out of a different school. Um, and so uh, this course is now required for a social impact scholar distinction um, where students have to go through some service learning classes or they have to work on a, they have to design and run um, an impact project themselves. Um, and, and for any of our student um, leadership positions, we have a, an impact fellows program, et cetera. Um, because the class is so new right now, it's strongly suggested, um, but in the future we plan on making it practically mandatory unless students understand the concepts themselves. Um, right now it's a one credit class. Uh, we're hoping that it can expand into three credits sometime soon, um, and it would be so easy. Um, I mean, if, if we had to change it to three credits or even two credits tomorrow, um, we could do it. <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of the, the intro to, to what our class is, and it's, it, the purpose of it is to, how can we get students um, to really be thinking about these basic frameworks about social problems, about how to make a difference in the world? Um, oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> I was trying to go, go next myself. Um, so in terms of context matters, um, some of the huge contextual factors that impacted our course design were, um, first, we're an open enrollment institution. Um, we are the largest institution in Utah, so about 40,000 total students. And um, that means we have so many identities, um, experiences, skill sets. Um, and, and also, with being an open enrollment institution, um, you know, we have stu some students who go on to Oxford, and then we have other students who, this is the only way that they're going to get through school is by going um, maybe uh, one course a semester while they're working full time. Um, so many of our students work full time um, a lot, kind of feel like they're in survival mode. They can't give a lot to extra opportunities. Um, we've recently moved our center. Um, it's recently been rebranded as Center for Social Impact from um, volunteer and service learning, um, which is a huge shift. Um, it, Huge, and, and it, it's there's a huge lag in students understanding our purpose and what that name change means. Um, and then um, next uh, comes there's a really deeply religious lens on social change and service, um, and and that's not a bad thing. Um, so many students uh, in our valley are um, belong to the LDS Church, um, and. It's this very like service oriented opportunity and like way of framing doing good in the world. Um, not a lot of systems thinking, not a lot of like sustainability thinking, et cetera. Um, and so everyone wants to do good, um, but but the the framing um, is it it's uh, you know through this one particular method. Yeah. So because of that context, um, just just to make sure, can everybody hear me? Okay. Awesome. Because of that context, we wanted to make sure that um, with this um, and because we're working with so many non-traditional students and students across the spectrum, because we're working in this um, area of transition from really only focusing on direct service to now focusing on social impact holistically and also working within this really unique 
um, kind of service-oriented religious context that doesn't really incorporate a lot of intersectionality, um, we knew that we needed to come up with some really um, clear learning outcomes for the class and then work on learning um, methods that would lead to these outcomes. So just to go over those learning outcomes, um, the first one, of course, is just to explain the definition of social impact. Um, a lot of our students, this is their very first time dipping their toes um, into social impact beyond direct service as, a, as one pathway. Um, so we want to explain the definition of holistic social impact and then the corresponding six pathways or methodologies that we use, which we'll talk a little bit more in just a few minutes about those. Um, and then two, we want to identify power dynamics in social problems and interventions. We wanna talk about power constructs. We wanna talk about intersecting identities and historical context and how that very deeply affects how we do effective social impact. Um, three is to critically analyze social impact practices after learning about those things, being able to analyze and evaluate impact and if it, there really has been an impact or a positive impact. And then number four, um, we want our students to be able to explain how basic design thinking processes can connect to equitable social impact. Um, and so we're going to just go over very briefly the three modules that we do in our, in our um, classroom. And I'll go over the first one. Um, so the first module, we um, have to start, like I said, at the very basics. Um, this is really important for our students. Um, and this includes a lot of language setting and a lot of defining. Um, and this is something that we kind of learned, you know, the first iteration of this class went fairly well, um, but one of the biggest weakness gaps that we identified um, was that we were assuming that our students knew a lot of terminology and a lot of jargon from the social impact field that they just didn't know. We were assuming that they knew certain um, concepts, even as basic to some of us as privilege and intersectionality. And those assumptions really um, you know, held us back a little bit from making some of those greater um, learning outcomes happen with some of our students. So in our second iteration, we ended up developing some tools um, to help us along those. So I'll go over this uh, slide really quick and then show a few of those um, tools that we use um, to help our students really grasp these concepts as beginners. Um, so uh, of course, we go into what social impact is, and we have a, a cycle that I'll show um, that kind of helps students realize that social impact is an ongoing process and a long-term process if we want it to be sustainable and effective. Um, we literally hand our students a glossary um, to explain to them what privilege is, what intersectionality is, and other terminology um, related to these things, such as diversity, inclusion, equality, equity, things like that. We literally hand them a glossary and take an entire classroom to go over some of those key terms that have to be understood. Um, we also explain what systems thinking is, and then I'll show you some of the tools that we help to break down how you can start to map a system around a problem. Um, we really emphasize defining and understanding social problems. We want our students married to problems and not married to solutions because we know that that leads to effective social impact. Um, and, and that also includes creating a theory of change um, for implementation and then also evaluating impact. Um, so if you go to the next slide, I'll start showing you some of those tools um, and visuals that we use. Um, so this is the first uh, cycle that we show. This is before we go deeply in uh, to design thinking um, later on in this course. Uh, this just shows that we define and understand a social problem um, implement using a, a theory of change, um, go through that implementation intervention, um, and then we evaluate our impact and then we reflect on that. 
Um, these are the first three real systems mapping assignments that we take our students through. Like we said, they're really um, um, foundational and basic. We have them define a problem um, by the problem, scoping it by demographic and geographic location. We then have them create a problem tree, which has them identify root causes and contributing factors and the consequences of the problem and how those interloop and interrelate. And then we have them do a basic stakeholder systems map, which has them mapping out uh, players within the problem. You can see that we've segmented that off by some of the basic sectors of society. Um, and then our theory of change, which most of you are familiar with this, we've just changed a little bit of the terminology to make it more accessible. Instead of inputs, activities, outputs, we define those, what we invest, what we do, what happened, et cetera. Um, all right, now on to the next module. Um, so for, for kind of like the mid period of our class, um, we talk about each one of these six pathways. Um, so this, this framework originally comes uh, from Stanford, um, from the Haas Center for Public Service, and they call them the six pathways to public service. Um, we call them the six pathways to social impact because <laughs> that works for us. Um, and so um, we talk about each one of these as methodologies. And just like Anita was saying, um, in a very solutions agnostic way, um, in a, okay, well, you have to understand a system um, and the points of leverage um, and so that's why we kind of talk about the first, you have to define the problem, you have to be apprenticing with that problem before you can choose um, a solution or a method or even a combination of them. Um, and, and a lot of people um, end up getting stuck on, oh, well, social entrepreneurship or just market-based solutions. That's the only way uh, to do it. And a lot of... Unfortunately, I think Marissa's connection may have dropped out. Um, I, can, I can continue. Awesome. Pops back on. <laughs> so, um, like she was explaining, we use this framework um, and we use these methodologies exactly like Anita was explaining in kind of a solutions agnostic way. Um, we let our students through um, this class start to identify um, through those, uh, those tools that I was showing before, how do we uh, evaluate which methodology will be best for a problem or which series of methodologies or combination of methodologies will be best for a problem. So we actually do one class each on each of these pathways. Um, and we give uh, a theory for the pathway, we give a case study for the pathway, and we help students to kind of see how these different methodologies can be applied. Okay, and so then our third module, um, which is kind of our wrap up module, um, taking all of these different tools um, and these different um, foundational uh, visuals and concepts and, and um, definitions that we've given throughout the class, um, we tried to end on an equity design for social impact framework, which kind of wraps all these tools into one cohesive and intuitive strategy. Um, for implementing uh, social impact. So design thinking, um, many of you may be familiar with this already, um, but it's a problem solving framework that is not linear, um, it's cyclical, and it really um, emphasizes taking what might be considered the user perspective or maybe in a social impact um, uh, field, the demographic of focus, their perspective, um, and putting that front and center when it comes to defining a problem and finding effective solutions or interventions for a problem. We take that a step further. Um, we teach the design thinking steps, but then we use equity design, um, which is really kind of the cutting edge of design thinking at this point. There's several groups, including the, including the Stanford Design School, um, the Creative Reaction Lab, who is actually presenting in another 
um, place in, in Ashoka, um, they teach equity design, which takes the same steps of design thinking, um, but adds the lenses of uh, acknowledging power constructs, um, acknowledging uh, historical context, um, which both of the other groups before us has have also presented about to some extent, um, and making sure that those are key lenses that we're doing the, the design process through, and also incorporating um, diverse uh, co-creators within that process, um, not just in the research stage, not just in the interview stage, but within all of the stages of the design thinking process. And so that's how we kind of bring all of these pieces together. Um, and then on our final class and our final wrap up, um, we make sure to ask some of the ethical questions and the equity questions um, that come along uh, with all of that. Marissa, are you back on? If, if you are, we're on the class principles slide. My computer died, but did not tell me. Um, it was <laughs> when we started, so I'm so sorry. That's very embarrassing. Um, so, and I, I know that we're we're running over time. So, um, it, we're happy to talk about these class principles um, in the discussion. Um, we we've sort of talked about them um, already, but these are principles that we give to students at the beginning so if they're sort of pushing back against some of the if you know where there's an organization that they really love and we're like well like let's look at it um you know it, we're, we're able to really talk through it using these principles and and same with the teaching principles i'll take 10 seconds really quick just to re-emphasize those which setting is our bread and butter we have we cannot assume already know these concepts or these terminologies. Power, privilege, and systems are explicit in every topic of social impact, um, and we showcase a variety of methodological perspectives and let, then let students choose. So thank you so much. Thank you again, Marissa and Cassie. All right, thank you everyone. We are now at the point where we can um, answer and loud and see we have quite a few questions in the chat box. Um, so we'll start going through and I think um, um, some of the questions um, were um, being compiled by our um, facilitator, Dustin. Um, so Dustin, if you would like to go ahead and um, start helping to read some of the questions that um, you know is coming through the chat box. Cool. I got a private message um, regarding the program around um, privilege and um, intersectionality. And the question is, how do you cover that in a short amount of time? And are there any challenges in covering that content area? Um, that I, I'm not sure if this was targeted towards a different program or, or what I was saying about it, but I. I'll shoot in and then somebody else can answer as well. Um, oh, there's definitely a challenge in covering that material um, in a one credit class. And that's why we're pushing so hard um, to have a more in-depth three cl credit class at the very least. Um, we also try to incorporate um, the principles of equity and inclusion um, and privilege and intersectionality into all of uh, the, the uh, services that we provide from our Center for Social Impact. Um, so a lot of the students that we teach kind of have crossover into some of our other programs or leadership opportunities. Um, so we do try to push right now in, in any way we can 
um, these as the foundational blocks um, before somebody can really engage in, in effective social impact work um, in any way that we can, in trainings, in uh, leadership workshops, um, in the programs that we have. But in our class, um, we have found that the best way to hotwire um, as much as we can is to do that language setting um, from the get-go. And when we send off, I've, I've seen a lot of emails, um, we're going to be sending our syllabi our syllabus and also some of those tools, um, we can send um, the glossary and the slides that we use um, because we have found a way to use some really uh, basic definitions for those words and like really cool um, analogies and metaphors um, that seem to help, especially in a place where we're teaching students who are uh, really um, not from a super diverse uh, setting here in Utah County. Um, and so we've had to like really water it down to the very fundamentals to the easiest way to understand. Um, we're always working on improving that, but we feel like we've got some pretty cool tools that we'll be sharing with anybody who would like them. Just to add one more thing is I think that, so we have that original like language setting conversation. We talk about it. There's a lot of reflection. Um, they, they have an assignment where they have to reflect outside of class and after class. Um, and also that's a running theme in all of the rest of our conversation. So as we're talking about those different methodologies like policy and governance, um, you know, we, we have these questions like, well, who has the power here? Why do they have the power here? When we're talking about systems and um, we talk about redlining um, and, and talk about, oh, well, well, what does this mean for, you know, how does, how do we, you know, how do these ideas of privilege and intersectionality connect with systems? So it's like this, we really language set very strongly and have some pretty um, hardcore reflection at the beginning, but then it's built into every other class and connected to every other piece um, that like, like talking about philanthropy, et cetera, all those things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really, when we say it's an important theme of our class, we really do mean that every single class it comes up. Yeah, I can jump in. Kelly asked a question. She said, um, how do you actually address intersectionality in this work? Um, so one thing that I, I would uh, throw in there that I really super skimmed in our presentation, um, it's really helped us uh, to find the frameworks of the equity design thinking. Um, it, the, the equity lens um, if I'll put a couple of links into the chat right after I respond to this, um, because there's a couple of different groups who have really got a hold on this, especially the Creative Reaction Lab. Um, they've, de they've designed a framework called the um, Equity-Centered Community Design. Um, it really can be applied in any social impact work and also in just like academic and educational work. Um, it's a framework that, like I said, it forces us to look at um, a few different lenses. It forces us to um, invite diverse co-creators um, that could be diverse ideologically, could be diverse ethnically, racially, um, religiously, from any background, depending on what problem you're trying to solve in the work. Um, but then it also asks us to look at historical context. Um, and that's something, uh, you know, Marissa used an example from our class. We always use redlining as an example of that. If you're trying to solve issues for Black communities in the United States and uh, redlining or uh, the industrial prison complex or the war on drugs um, or Jim Crow laws is not a part of that conversation, you won't be able to fix those problems. You won't be able to effectively address those problems. And that goes for any social challenge. If we're not reconciling with a historic uh, context um, and, uh, and then also with the power constructs that presently um, exist, right? Which is the other lens that equity design 
uh, brings to social impact. Um, power constructs and power dynamics that presently exist. If we're not looking at those, uh, bringing in diverse co-creators uh, and, and people to bring input, historical context around problems and around populations, and then the existing power dynamics and existing power constructs, we won't be able to do this work. Um, and so that is something that we use in all across all of our programming and the uh, curriculum that we've developed. Um, we always emphasize those lenses. Um, so, like I said, I'll put a I'll put a link in the chat um, that takes uh, you to that that framework that's been developed. But that's one of the best tools that I've found to easily create understanding around um, what is needed to understand intersectionality, um, because those lenses lead us to looking at the intersecting identities and what those identities bring to the table um, when we're in, involved in social impact work. And then one other thing that I'll add to the last question as educators, um, when we are trying to be exemplars of uh, acknowledging uh, privilege and identifying intersectionality is also um, putting that into action, not only being an educator, um, and Marissa kind of touched on this when it came to our interactions with our students, but also on our campuses, are, are we showing up um, for uh, the different events and the different programs and different things that are be being put on by different um, communities represented on campus. Uh, me, Marissa and myself, we've made that one of our goals this semester. And when we've shown up to things being put on by the Black Student Union or by the LGBTQ plus coalition or whatever, we've been uh, shocked by how few staff and faculty have been represented at some of these events. Um, and we have been able to make connections with students and build rapport and trust with students when they've seen us there. Uh, not when it's required, but when we've opted to be there. Um, and that has been one of our quickest ways of showing, um, uh, ex exemplifying these characteristics as educators. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.